Hey everyone, we're listening to the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We are your hosts, Kat and Anna, and we are here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to powerfully and positively impacting the Southern Utah community. Before we get started, take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date on new episodes. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you have the means, consider supporting us on Patreon. Even if it's only $2 a month, it makes a world of difference. And as a thank you, you'll receive a shout out on the show. Another way you can support us is checking out our brick and mortar store at 55 North Main in downtown St. George. Follow us on Instagram at Mofico Utah to stay up to date on all the exciting things we are up to in the store, on the farm, and on the podcast. So in today's episode, we are going back to the original duo of Jess, Kat, and Anna. And uh, we have been doing the podcast for a year now. And so we wanted to do, and a lot more has happened than just the podcast. So we figured it was time for a year in review episode. Yeah. Catch you up on the lay of the land. Yep. A lot has happened. So to start off, Kat, what has been your favorite episode of the podcast that we've Mm -hmm. done? We were talking about this the other night and I was like, I can't pick one. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know. They were all so good. I think my favorite one was Melissa because it just made me laugh so hard. That even was a when, good one. Yeah, and even when I re-listen to it, I still think it's funny, which I rarely ever do. I'm like, oh, cat, that wasn't that funny. Like, calm down. But like, when I re-listen to it, I was like, no, she's funny. But I like, I, I've liked all of our episodes. What's your favorite one? I don't know. Like you, I feel like it's hard to pick just one. But I think I have sentimental attachment to the first one we did with Robert. Yeah. Because even though that was number three that you guys heard, it was our first one that we recorded. Yeah. Because then we recorded ours after that. So there was a little behind the scenes yeah, trick we for you guys. That was really cool. And I like that one. That one is cool because... We actually went out on location. Did we go out on location for any of the other ones? No, we were going to, yeah. but then COVID happened. Yeah. And I feel like, well, we stopped recording. Yeah. Yeah, we took like a four-month break because we had all the episodes recorded before mm, March even started. Right. So, yeah, and then we took a break, and then we started recording here at the, at the store. Which we'll get to, guys. <laughs> Big things have happened, in case you've missed it. In case you've missed the change in our introduction. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. We, we, that was the only farmer that we had interviewed, mm-hmm. right, in the beginning. And then we went into artist and teacher. and Yep. And then we did another artist. And so we were interviewing him at your house. Yep, that's and, right. Yeah, and then COVID hit. Yep, and then we just stopped. Yeah. Until, we didn't record again until, what, August? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So if you wonder why we only have 16 episodes so far, thanks, COVID. 16 is pretty close to 26, and 26 (laughs) is half. (laughs) Well, the goal was to do 26, so we kind of made it. Yeah. Almost. New year. Barring a pandemic, we would have made it. I know. Who'd have thunk? I know, right? So... Grace. Give yourself some yeah. grace. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a, it's been an exciting, exciting past year, but yeah. we've learned a lot about podcasting and yeah. What have you learned? It's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, I read before cause so a little bit of backstory on this. I was going to start my own podcast. I asked you to be on my podcast as a guest and then you were like, let's just join up and do a podcast for Mofico. And I was like, <laughs> that's actually hilarious because it, it did go exactly like that. But yeah. you're giving me a little bit too credit in my words. I said, why don't you just do our podcast? <laughs> I had no intention of being on the podcast with you. Well, I was I, like, why don't you do a podcast for Mofico? I mean, it would on. be a boring podcast if it was just me. No, that's but, not true. You're, uh-uh. you're a delight. Thanks, Kat. You're a treasure. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so yeah. 
And uh, you have been researching it. Yeah, I've been researching it. And, you know, everyone said it's a lot of work, but I was like, whatever, I can do it. But no, they're true. It's, it's all true. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it probably, I have learned that Anna does a lot of work for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Because well, if you know me, I am not tech savvy, but Anna is. So Anna does all the sound engineering. She does all of the editing. She's learned all of the um, equipment. I just show up. But anyway, so yeah, so when you, when you do a, when you like, okay, so we're 16, 17 episodes in, when you are working on an episode, how long does it take you from start to finish? Depends on how many people we have on. Oh. Because, so because of the way we've done it and we have it now that we have the podcasting room set up, hopefully it will cut down the time, but there's a lot of, um, sound Mm -hmm. in the background Mm -hmm. and so if we have four people total that are talking i have to go through and edit out when everyone's not talking oh wait so you go into their track i go into their track and i edit out everything because if you don't like i wish you guys could hear what it sounds like when i don't do that oh my gosh it's very noisy so to be courteous to your ears i take all of that out but I think most people don't run into that problem because they're recording like on Zoom or whatever. They're not actually in person, but we're doing everything in person and everyone has their own microphone. And I don't have one of the little, there's like a board that you can get where you can adjust everyone's sound. A mixing board. A mixing board, yeah. yeah. I got the handheld device so we can go on location. Yeah, but even if you had a mixing board, like if I quit talking, you'd have to reach over and shut probably. it off. Probably. I've never used one, so I don't know, but I'd yeah. imagine. But yeah, it probably takes me like 10 to 15 hours per episode Jeez. to edit it all. So yeah, it's uh, it's fun though. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I enjoy recording the episodes. That's my favorite part. The editing. I tend to multitask while I'm editing. Yeah, you've been making dresses and bags for the shop, right? Yeah, I started out with the sewing as the background activity, but now I do the garden planning as the background activity. Oh my gosh. We'll we get have, to that, guys. Yeah, you just so wait. So much. So, but you know, right now the 10 to 15 hours per episode is all volunteer work, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, if anyone wants to contribute and help cover the cost of running it, because we just have, that doesn't even cover like um, the cost of equipment and the like hosting services. Yeah. Because you have to pay for all that. So, but yeah, we have a Patreon. You can find the link for it on our Instagram. So now we have a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we have. What? <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> We also have a link tree. Yes, we do. If you go to our Instagram and click on the link in our bio, it has literally like 15 different links to take you Yeah, because you that's how much we got done during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we started a bunch of projects and a link tree. Mm-hmm. So all of the stuff we're talking about um, can be found on all of that. But yep. yeah, the Patreon is like the number one way to at least support the podcast portion. Yes. And then once we get more people supporting monthly, then we can start like rolling out the swag that we originally talked about when we first launched the podcast. When we were so naive. I know. Pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So since we've just danced around COVID, let's just talk about what that... So like we were... We started the podcast in December. We were recording all through January. And February. And February. Mm -hmm. And then the second week of March. um, Is when we launched it. We launched it um, March 15th, I think. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because I remember when people, because we were talking about, and when I interviewed you, we were talking about how there's only like three to four days worth of food in the grocery stores and how like insecure the food transportation and everything is. And we released it that week. And I remember I had friends text me and they're like, 
that was you guys like predicted the future yeah we did (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy so then um geez so then we took a break but uh when covid hit that's when things started getting serious for the farmer's market too actually like we were in the middle of trying to raise funds for our season right well in the city you couldn't even open right for a while there's a lot of uncertainty around if you could even have it yeah well and it was just one of these things where you kind of had to decide like like because it became clear within a couple weeks like we had i had been meeting with businesses all around town of who's going to sponsor the farmer's market this year you know and we had been getting close to to our funding goal and then like the second week of March, everybody's just like, no, we don't even know if we're going to be in business in six months. We're not going to sponsor this farmer's market. So it became clear that if we were going to do the farmer's market, even if the city was going to allow us, we were, none of us were getting paid. It was all just going to be volunteer work all summer long. And then, um, so that was something. And then right around that, that's when I found out I was pregnant. Right. Like, right. And so it's like, not only are we going to try and put on, you know, like at the time, every, you know, everybody has their opinions about COVID now, but I, there's nobody that can say that they weren't scared right when it happened. Right. There's a lot of uncertainty for sure. And so like the decision was like, okay, am I going to try and launch this with no money during a pandemic pregnant? Like, and like on all of the, like on the news stations, they were saying that, you know, you're more susceptible if you're pregnant. And I think that's still the case with COVID is that it's harder on you if you're pregnant. Um, But it was just a really weird, like, yeah, it was a, it was a really weird decision. (laughs) I remember journaling and meditating through that one, but um, we decided to do it and, and, um, yeah, and then we were getting pushback from the city. And, you know, it, it, the city's not the bad guy. I totally understand what was going through everyone's head. It's just, you know, like, we're sitting there watching all of these stores empty out. Mm-hmm. We're hearing that people can't get meat. We're hearing that people can't get cheese. We're hearing all of this stuff. And I know that there's farmers here that have them. And right. without a farmer's market, you know, like if they go one season without making money and I know that there's funds available for farmers that were hurt and hit by COVID, but there's also just, you know, like even if they got that, the funds, they went so fast and they went to bigger farms, you know, but even if they got that, you know, you go a season without growing or you go a season without making money, your incentive is gone. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so we decided to um, go online, and that was a whole nother beast. But we we opened the farmers market. I think it was only we op- we only opened a week late. Um, we were allowed to do the online market for the first four weeks. Yeah, yeah. So how was that getting it all online? It was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Um, like I've said, I'm not tech savvy. And so for it to kind of, there was a couple of people that helped me, like Amber Murray was somebody that helped me kind of just get started on Shopify. But it was, you know, like we um, signed up for Shopify and they gave you like the first three months for free or something like that. Yeah. And so it was like, okay. So we decided that every farmer would be its own collection on there so every farmer had to get me all of their products all of their prices um how much they thought they'd have and i would have to get that all loaded on there and then i would open it every sunday for orders and then close it on third or wednesday Mm -hmm. yeah it was wednesday i would open orders every saturday or sunday morning and then close it every wednesday and then i would have to spend all of thursday because we were using the free version and not the super expensive one i'd have to go through every single order one at a time and find an item yeah 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 but if you did that now 
I still do it now. You st- oh yeah, that's right. You I do still do st- that now with all of the purchases. <laughs> with all of the purchases, I go through every single because it it's like four hundred dollars a month to have the higher version where it will break it down by vendor. Yeah, which is crazy. That I can't yeah. afford that even with the store. So right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I had to go back to every order and just go like I can put in. Um, you know, like Baker Creek and it'll pull up all of the orders for them. Yeah. But then I have to go through every single one and I itemize it out and count them and put the things down and get their totals. And then I'd send it to them. And in the summertime, I'd have to break it down by order. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to say like order number two, seven, seven, one, this is what they got. And then they would bring their orders in a bag all says, separated yeah that all numbered and they wow. would drop it off saturday morning and then me and uh jacqueline i know alicia helped a couple of times and um elise the one that has helped me with the farmer's market for four years um we would just show up and we would have the print off of every single order that was being picked up and we'd go through and we'd sort them and group them and staple them together we bought three or four gigantic coolers and uh, we had people just line up and they'd pull up and say their order number and we'd load it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> it was rough for sure. Yeah. But we made it through. And then by, um, you know, by the second week of June, we were allowed to open just with limited vendors, only food, um, some artisans. But we still kept the online and the delivery going. Like the first week, actually, we weren't allowed to do the pre-sort at Ancestor Square oh. because it was it was considered a special event, even setting up one tent. So we had wow. to do it at my house. So it was delivery only. And I think that week we had something like $2,000 worth of pre-orders oh on God. that Saturday. So it was like it actually turned out to be like nine hours of delivery. Wow. So I, for like, so everybody showed up at like seven, I think is when I told them they had to drop off their orders. It took us until nine 30, maybe 10 that first day because we were taking so long. It took us till 10 to sort out all the orders. And then we loaded them up in my car and I drove around until about seven o'clock at night. Wow. Delivering them to everybody's house. That's was like, this is brutal. But yeah, that's what we did. I don't, I mean, like, if you were part of a bigger farmer's market that, like, had funding through cities and had support and stuff, I totally would be like, yeah, do it. But yeah. if you're a smaller farmer's market, and it, and especially where I'm not a farmer, like I wasn't at that point, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I'd do it again. <laughs> it's a lot, you know, yeah. like, so... Um, but we, we kept it going and, um, all the way through the summer and, and then, uh, August and October were huge. Like by that time, the farmer's market, uh, everybody was feeling more comfortable with COVID. They knew they weren't going to, that the risk of a outbreak at an outdoors farmer's market was super low. Everybody had been kind of paying attention and, so August and October were great, you know, but getting through June and July. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it. I'm sure the farmers are grateful too. Cause it was. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Some of them might've just been like, dang it. We were going to have a summer off. <laughs> No, I'm sure there, I mean, like it got, it was exhausting by the end, you know, and like by the end I was nine months pregnant. Well, not only that, but you got the place for the store in July. Yeah. So, so we were doing all of the farmer's market stuff and then trying to renovate this place because we had to renovate it and we were trying to get it up and running. Well, then you opened it in September while the farmer's market was still going. Yeah. So you had to run both. Yeah. Because then you had, you still continued, you switched over the online orders to the store too, right? Yeah. So then all the vendors that were in the store, people could also purchase online. Right. 
Yeah. So I would come down here. If somebody ordered something, I would come down here Friday night and pick it up or sort it and then take it with me on Saturday morning. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds overwhelming. <laughs> it does. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> I know. Well, and then you had your baby. Yeah. It was like, and then in the middle of that, I had my baby, little baby Tilly. So she was born October 18th. So I almost made it through the whole season. Yeah. Two weeks left, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I came and sat up the Saturday before I had her. And then the next week I came and set up the farmer's market too. And then I left at like nine or like nine thirty or 10. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. And then the last Saturday of the farmer's market, I was like, I'm not coming. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I cannot, I just, I'm dying. So yeah. But yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Well then let's move on to talking about opening up the store. Jesus. <laughs> it's a lot. It's traumatic. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've already cried my tears. <laughs> well, yeah. you've been looking for a location. I mean, when I first met you. For a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been looking for a spot. Mm-hmm. And then this place, why don't you tell us how uh, you found this magical location? Oh, well, you know, we were having our breakdown over COVID. Uh, I kind of went AWOL for a little bit. I like I took the first lockdown really serious. I think that me and I were locked down for like 60 days. I think we spent all the whole two months at home. Wow. And then... Um, I kind of just had this moment where it was just like, you know, like we're all gonna die. (laughs) We're all gonna die. This is the end. And then I just kind of asked myself, like, well, do you still want to do it? Like, are you like, you know, if it's really gonna end tomorrow, are you gonna regret not doing it? The store. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least trying and. Um, and the answer was yes. I was like, oh yeah, I would regret never, you know, like getting this close and not doing it. And so, uh, so I met with Alicia from six bit who's on our board and actually is, uh, has just been like one of, one of my close partners in this. She's, uh, been there from like the very beginning. She helped me workshop the idea when I was first coming up with Mofaco and everything like that. And, uh, and she, and you know, we, when we had talked about it, um, in the beginning, we were always going to have six bit move in with us. So, and it was a risky move for them too. Cause you know, it's in the middle of a pandemic. Do you guys still want to move offices to a new location? Like blah, 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 blah. So we sat down and, and they were like, yeah, we're still, we're still good to go. And I was like, yeah, I, I think that we still want to do it too. And um, by we, I mean me and all of my multiple personalities. <laughs> but then, um, so we kind of just sat down, we had this meeting about what we were looking for and they were like, we need office space. We need some place to do a, the podcast. We need a, um, a photography studio. And um, I just, I was like, the number one thing we need is a store. Because actually, the entire time we were going through all of the issues with the city and the shutdown, they kept saying, like, the problem is, is that you guys are outside. And they were like, if you were inside, if you could find anybody that let you use the building, like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't care. It would be considered a business, not a special Mm -hmm. event. And so... Um, for me, I was just like, if we go into a second shutdown, I was like, I, I just need a place to sort orders. Right. You know, like, cause we can't do it in my driveway anymore, like year around and these people are going to need money, you know, like, and especially for the artisans too, like none of them had even been hit really hard yet because most of them make their money in all of the shows leading up to Christmas. Yeah. You know, like they're not, they're not bringing in huge payloads in the summertime they yeah. make all of their money the second half of the year so I just knew that there was uh, there was going to be a lot of damage done and I knew that 
we needed to do something. So I just said, we need a storefront. We need some place where we can at least, if worse comes to worse, we can just pack up and go there and sort orders and no one can shut us down again. Right. So that conversation was like, I think the second week of May. And the next day, Alicia came to this space to buy that orange table that's in the middle of the thing. Yeah. So she came to buy that orange table and she's friends with Nathan, the the previous tenant and was like, what's going on? Like, or, you know, like I'm, you know, and he was like, Oh, I'm moving out of this space. You you guys want to rent it? And she was like, yeah, I think we do. And it was really bizarre. Like I called Nathan and he was like, Oh no, you know, we weren't even serious or something. It was really interesting. Like he was like, I wasn't even supposed to tell anybody that we were moving out. And I was like, Oh, okay. Sorry. You know, like whatever. And then we had gotten a hold of the landlord and then he never called us back. And so we were kind of like, Oh dang, we're, we're not going to get that space. And then in June, we got a call from the landlord and we came out to see it and we were like super nervous. We're like, Oh, there's probably like a million people that want it. And he was like, well, well, no, Nathan told me that you guys are going to take it. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. 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 No. Yeah. We're, we're going to take it. (laughs) And so it kind of caught us off guard and then we didn't hear from him again for like a month. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what if we lost that space? Cause it's right downtown. If you haven't been to the co-op, it's like right on main street. It's like the kind of place you dream about. Yeah. You couldn't ask for a better location. Yeah. yeah. And I know that sounds so weird, but I totally think it's because we manifested this. Like we had been talking about it for a year. We've been just sitting there going over our list of what it needed to be, what it needed to have. And the fact that it op- like one opened up in a place that we could afford during a pandemic, right. it was nuts. And so um, we signed the lease on it in July. And then like, I think that we were like, oh, we'll open in two weeks. I, I remember coming down to help you. <laughs> took a little bit longer than two weeks. It took like a month and a half. It took two months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had to rip out walls. Uh, I learned about permits, yeah. which is something that I never thought I'd have to learn. Pain in the butt. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys. And so we, yeah, it was brutal and surprise costs kept coming up. Surprise costs still keep coming up, but somehow we're still here. But yeah, so we, uh, we've officially opened in September and, uh, you know, it, it's like been slow, but good. And I think it like took like a month or two to get people even to know that we're here. Right. But like October or November and December were incredible. Yeah. Like incredible. And it was, it was really reassuring and, um, it was, it was really good to feel that. Yeah. I yeah. bet. Well, you didn't have your official grand opening until the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I know. We kept putting it off. Yeah. Well, because you hadn't gotten all the remodeling done, right? Yeah. Because the permits and stuff, you couldn't finish the yeah. backspace. Yeah. So we, like, you know, like, when we did a grand opening, we wanted people to be able to see, like, kind of the whole vision. Like, mm-hmm. Six Bit being here is here to support these artisans and feed them into the front, like, get them ready for it. And there's, like, a whole... You know, like if you need to take photography pictures or if you need to get headshots done, you can come back here. If you wanted to start recording a podcast or doing videography to do online classes, you can do that through Six Fit. If you need packaging or logo design, you know, they're all here to support the artisans up front. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't want to open without without them. It didn't right. feel right. And it also, you know, it kind of just... I didn't think it would inspire a lot of confidence in people <laughs> if they came down here for a grand opening and like half the bag is still looks like a murder dungeon. You know? <laughs> I didn't, yeah. Everybody I wish, like, do you have before pictures of what this backspace looked like? Yeah, I think I have some. Because it was nuts. It, like to see the transformation of this space has been insane. Yeah. Every time I come back here, I'm like, I cannot believe we did this. I know. I can't either. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. And like the crazy thing is, is that most of us, most of it we did ourselves. Right. You know, there was, um, there was definitely like JR Electric did our electric and, um, 
Kelly Penico did the framing and everything like that because we needed a contractor for a commercial space. But other than that, like, I mean, Brian was watching YouTube videos. Monty came in and kind of showed him how to do texture. But other than that, Brian learned how to drywall. He learned wow. how to texture. Like That's awesome. Yeah, like, and he, they both learned how to install the floor. Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy. It is crazy. I can't believe that was it. <laughs> But it was, I mean, you know, like between the two of us, I think the the remodel was almost $10,000. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And okay, that's, this is a good chance to talk about when you run a co-op, you were telling me you can't apply for loans. You can't take well, out like a credit card, well, when right? You're a 501c3. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you opened a co-op and it wasn't a 501c3 and was just a business, yeah, for sure. You totally could. Okay. But as a 501c3, you're not allowed to carry a loan. Like for to have debt and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's nuts. Yeah. Because I remember you did a lot of fundraisers, right? You did yeah. a fundraising to get the online market. Yeah. We had to and do... Then, yeah, because we had no funding. Yeah. We had no sponsors. We had nothing. Like, talk about the worst year to do anything. <laughs> it's just like, you know, usually... Yeah. So... And I don't know if this year's going to be any different. You know, like, I... I honestly think people are a little bit more stable, but especially right now, we're recording this in January, especially right now with the past couple of days of what's been going on in the Capitol. And yeah, I mean, like people are scared and unsure and, uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of things we've talked about this several times is I don't even think we've begun to see the effects of COVID in our food systems or anything like that. So right. a lot of businesses are going to be really wary about, sponsoring live events and sponsoring you know so I don't I don't even know right (laughs) but yeah like it's I it has taught me though that the community will be there for you especially if you're doing stuff that benefits them like you know I didn't think anybody would donate to open the online farmer's market and I think we raised almost three thousand dollars and like fast yeah like a week yeah it was like a week and then um we did a second one to run to raise money for the fridge and we wanted to raise like three thousand dollars but we only raised like fifteen hundred and that covered actually it was enough to cover the the electrical work for that room yeah because that ended up being like eleven hundred dollars because we had to get the 220 volt put in and we had to get the wiring redone and he had to put in some more stuff in our fuse box um but you know if, and then you got the freezer and we got the freezer yeah yeah so we're still funding for our fridge yeah so if anybody out there has <laughs> access to a double door display fridge or would like to donate um but yeah like I didn't think that anybody would come out of the woodwork for that, you know, but like, you know, total, it's like $4,500 right? that we raised for the co-op. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we wouldn't be able to do any of the things we did without, without that. Right. So yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. And then with the store, because we had no money, everything, I mean, you were here. Everything yeah. we made, everything ourselves. Like yep. the shelves, we made ourselves. The, the we did the IKEA run together. We did the IKEA. We did go to IKEA. I will say this: we did go to IKEA with the intention to get shelves because we were told that was the cheapest way, but they were sold out, and um, they just had the shelf supports. Mm-hmm. So the only thing in the store that was bought um, from like a a box store was the shelf supports, and then we had. Um, Terry Jensen from Outdoor Chic Design. She did the shelves for us. Um, she did a bunch of jewelry displays. She did a bunch of... She, and the kiosk. Oh, yeah. She built our kiosk, which is gorgeous. It is. It's beautiful. It is. She, we actually saved a bunch of wood that we pulled out of the back in the remodel, and she replaned it and put it in and made that. That's amazing. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, then I learned how to use a Sawzall <laughs> and demoed a bunch of pallets and all of our boxes in the store, like our crates are all made out of recycled pallets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I put together and you put together. We got some electrical spools. The tables I bought from, um, what is that? The overflow at the college. Yeah. And so I got all of our tables in the store for 12 bucks. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and then I found our, um, that bakery display, it was on Facebook. It's an antique. It's from 1905, you know? So, I mean, like it all comes, it's all coming together. Um, but yeah, like it, I don't know. I, I mean, like if I didn't think that I had to do it, if I didn't think that it would make a huge difference, I, I wouldn't have, I don't know. Yeah. I still am. I'm still trying to figure out if I made the right decision, but it's been good. I think you made the right decision. <laughs> if that means anything. Uh, Maybe but this would be a good time to throw in the numbers for oh, 2020. Yeah. yeah, for 2020. Yeah, for just opening very beginning of September. Yeah. So for September, October, is, November, yeah. December. Do you want to say the number? So we were able to keep $38,951 in the community. Yeah. That's pretty awesome because yeah. in case no one is aware, 85% of what you spend in the store goes back yeah. to the vendors. Yeah. So that's what you mean when you mean keeping it all here. Yeah. Yeah. So we only keep 15% and that's to try and help us cover our rent, utilities, and uh, Shopify. Yeah, and Shopify. Oh, freaking Shopify. <laughs> just kidding they're awesome if they want to sponsor this episode shopify if you would like to donate to keep locals alive um but yeah no like i was we just looked those numbers up right before we started and i was i was shocked yeah that's a big number (laughs) big number yeah Um, most of it was in november and december but hey i'll take it yeah you know a lot of a lot of the um artists when i was doing the checks for december they made enough money in december to cover their rent in the co-op for a year wow yeah and i was like okay well now i won't feel bad like yeah. if you have a couple of slow months like you made all of your money's worth in, in december it's worth it just to be here and that was our first year when people didn't even know in right. the middle of a shutdown Right. You know, usually December in St. George is crazy because we have so many tourists. Yeah. So it, it was, a, there was a lot of tourists this year still, but it was mainly locals. Yeah. 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 So that was That's nice. awesome. Well, then maybe we should segue into getting into the store. Oh, if yeah. people are vendors or they're, they're artists or farmers or bakers or makers or whatever, mm-hmm. What's the process like for getting into the store? Or like why, okay, let me ask this first. Why should they put their stuff in the store? Um, one, it's a brick and mortar store. On Main Street. On Main Street. In downtown St. George. In downtown St. George. You're not going to get a better, like you just aren't going to get a better opportunity to showcase your stuff. Yeah. Uh, two, even though, yeah, even when you turn the base, sorry, my microphone was being silly. And so we kind of just bonded over that for a minute. Um, two, it's a beautiful store. Yeah. I mean, if I do say so myself, we did a good job. Like, you know, like everything in here is really awesome. It's, it's quality stuff and the displays are gorgeous and the whole feel of the store is beautiful. So especially if you're an artist in business, there really isn't another store that would showcase your stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, three, it gets you ready to be there on your own. Right. You know, like if, if you ever want to know what you need to do to get to the next level, this is a great proving ground mm-hmm. Four, uh, you get the whole online. I mean, I know I've been talking about Shopify, but you know, for an artisan, it's $60 a month to be in here. Yeah. A, a Shopify store is $89 a month. Right. Just for the basic online, the lowest of the low Shopify. Yeah. So to so, do it on your own, you would spend more money yeah. than putting it in here where you get put online. Yeah. We, we give you your own shop online. We give you your own collection online and you're in store. 
Right. And so being a part of it, it's kind of like a Southern Utah Etsy is people can just get on there and choose from a bunch of different artists and have it sent to them. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, like we have like 20 to 30 artists in here that are promoting the same location. Right. So I just, just from an advertising location and a strategic viewpoint, it's, it's a great place to be. Right. Well, then eventually we'll have all the vendors get their own podcast episode. Yeah. And they get all professional photographs of all their stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Let's talk about that. So Anna, <laughs> Anna, on top of doing all of the volunteer work for this, is just her and Aubrey of Desert Roots have just stepped up. And really, the only reason why the store is even functioning right now is because of you two. Oh, whatever. Because I totally <laughs> checked out for like a couple of months. Well, well, you had a baby. I so. didn't check out, but I like, it was just things were coming at me and my yeah. brain wasn't working. And so these two stepped in and Anna does all of the photography for all of the products. And it's amazing. So tell us like, I, when did you, have you just started taking product photography? Yeah. So my background is more in uh, portrait photography. So I did portrait photography. I still do portrait photography on the side, but uh, product photography always sounded appealing because it almost feels like less work because it's a stationary thing and you don't have to worry about its facial expression. <laughs> the necklace will never look at you and say, no, I don't like it. I know, right? <laughs> so I wanted to test it out. And when you started bringing all their products in, I was just like, well, I have a camera. It's just sitting at home. Like I might as well just do this. And this was before everything else happened in my life. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So I just started that back in what August is when I started taking the pictures, I I guess. Or maybe it was, yeah. Didn't you start in July? Cause you started with, with Baker Creek, didn't you? That's right. Maybe I did start in July, but yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's definitely it's an interesting, it's a, it's a different way to take pictures and taking pictures of people. Yeah. Cause you have to think about how to make every product look good and how to incorporate like different things into the picture to make it look good. Yeah. And basically make the product kind of tell a story. So it's just like a, it's definitely a different aspect of photography, which I like. Yeah, and you do like you do an amazing job. Oh, thanks. I'm not just saying thanks. that. I remember the day that you got me Baker Creek's photos, and I got on and plugged them on to all of the website, like all their listings, and I pulled up their shop, and I remember crying to Monty. I was like, oh my gosh, look at our online store. It looks so beautiful. Oh my God. Like... And I, I don't, yeah. And then you've also taken over all the social media too. So you do all of the pictures for that. And yeah, that's been a learning curve for sure. (laughs) What did you learn? Where did the curve start? It's a lot of work guys. Yeah. It's brutal. (laughs) But you look, I mean, you make it look so good. You make it look effortless. Thank you. I appreciate Let's just talk it. about how great Anna is for a minute, everybody. <laughs> We're a great team. Because yeah. I couldn't do any of this if it wasn't for your support. You make me feel special. <laughs> I couldn't do any of this if Kat didn't start a million projects that she couldn't do herself no. and make me do all. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. I'm happy to help. You know, I wouldn't sign up for things unless I wanted to do it. So Right. But yeah, that's, I mean, uh, what, what's the number one thing you've learned doing social media? I feel like it's just coming up with like the, the captions and the hashtags and I don't know, just creating like a theme. I feel like is a lot of work. Well, you're good at that though. Cause I didn't think like the overall look. Like if you look at our feed or your feed, I don't know what you want to call it. It is very cohesive. It tells us it's dead on. I'm like, oh, this well, is that's such what a it's good. actually a trick from uh, portrait photography that oh. I try to apply. So you do like a wide angle shot, and then you do like a three quarter shot or like an angle shot, and then you do like a close up, oh. and you like repeat the pattern so yeah. that instead of it all being close ups or it all being wide angle. You mix it up. You're such a smart girl. Oh, thanks. 
That's mm. what I woman. <laughs> it's smart. Woman. So there's a little trick for you yeah. from uh, from portrait photography. Okay, cool. So you told us your tips and tricks about social media, but that that actually is a really good way to segue into the farm because they're on social media too. So yes, on top of all of this uh, madness with the store with the farmers market, um, Katie Beecham, our herb lady. Um, has always wanted a community garden out at her place. And Anna, (laughs) um, we were talking about farming. You were looking into pieces of land and I said, you know, you should just go out again with your podcast. This is exactly what I did to you in the podcast. (laughs) I was like, if you're looking to start a farm, Katie's always wanted a community farm. And yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah. So one of my many dreams, I've always wanted to be a market farmer, um, but it's, land is really pricey out here. Yeah, so I've always kept my eye out for property and stuff, but you have to go really far to town or it's really expensive. And also, I didn't want to do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> so when you told me about the property, you mentioned that maybe I should go out there and farm it, but I didn't. I don't have the time mm-hmm. to do that alone. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I would love to, but I can't. And then I was like, well, maybe we should turn it into a community garden. And so then we started working on developing that. And we were going to try and get funding and get people out there working. But because of COVID, like it prevented us from having like the community cleanup. Community cleanup. And I want, I want to say this, like no crap every time you scheduled a community cleanup like two days before they would be like announcement from the the governor five people blah 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 and we're like are you serious yeah (laughs) so we basically just nixed that and we're like well maybe we'll try again the next year but then I still wanted to go out there and clean up the property because it's covered in weeds and so me again me and Aubrey of Desert Roots Apothecary we partnered and went out there a few times. And while we were cleaning up the property, me and her got talking. And we're like, what if we started a market farm, a market garden out here, and we're able to sell the produce at the co-op because it's hard to find local farmers. Right. And so then we started talking about that. And we're still going to do the community garden, guys. Don't worry. That's going to be in the front of the property. We're not touching that yet. It's still there. Mm-hmm. But we need funding. Mm-hmm. So if you want the community garden, go to our Instagram, go to the link tree, and donate. Okay. So, and yeah. So the theme of this podcast it, overall is we need money. Yes. So please <laughs> donate. So... Yeah, because we need, especially now that we have started looking into the finances of starting the market garden, Mm -hmm. it's giving me a better idea of how much we'll need for the community Community garden garden space. Because basically, we're just going to replicate it. Right. But um, and I and I also want to say here, um, the intention of this land too has always been to have a community and an incubator garden on it. Yeah. When we talked to Katie, is because we wanted to be able to give people a chance to grow food for themselves in the community garden, but also for young people who were thinking about getting into farming, we wanted to give them a reasonable option to step into it. So I think it's beautiful that it's actually going to be you as the first incubator garden. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah. So yeah, me, Aubrey and Monty, we all joined forces because after me and Aubrey started talking, we're like, it'd be really cool if we had more people. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that your husband has always wanted to be like a farmer or grower. So like, let's ask Monty. So yeah, we're the, we're the power team of three. Yeah. I mean, I go out there when I can, but it's not me. (laughs) You help a lot. Yeah. You help a lot, but yeah, so we have that going, and so we'll hopefully have produce available in like March, starting yeah. in March, and then April, we're going to try and have like a full CSA program and all that fun stuff. But the big goal for the property, because I can't just focus on one thing, <laughs> is we want to have like animals out there. I have Nubian goats, so I think eventually we'll get Nubian goats out there. So we'll have goat milk, we'll have chickens for egg laying, we'll have at least one guard llama. Yes, we'll have a guard llama, and so, so if you if want to donate, wants to donate a llama, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, and I say that joking, but I am dead serious. We if really you do are need over a llama. your llama, or if your grandma had one and has passed away, and no one knows what to do with the llama, we need a llama. We need a llama. We need a llama. We yeah. need a llama. Yeah. So, and then we're also gonna have like a seed breeding program out there eventually. Yeah. And maybe we'll have an orchard out there and all that good stuff. So it's kind of, it's going to kind of be like a little bit of everything, but basically then the idea for once we have the market garden set up is that people can see what we're doing. We can teach classes, teach people how to do it. And then with the community garden space, we're basically going to run it like a market garden as well. So instead of everyone having their own plots that they manage themselves, it's a full community effort. All the members will help each other. We'll have scheduled days for weeding, harvesting, transplanting, seed starting, whatever. But what that will do is every single person will learn how to do everything. Yeah. So then if you want to, after a certain amount of time, take what you've learned here and like garden at your house, then you literally have all the skills you need already. Right. And so that's kind of the hope is that it gives people a resource where they can come. They'll have helpers there. Like I'll be there and I'll teach you what I know. You can practice. And then it's pretty minimal. Like I think we talked about having a sliding scale membership fee and it'd be like 50 to $150 a year per person. But then you get like a lot of food. Yeah. (laughs) So you would definitely get your um, money's worth. Yeah. And food. But yeah. And I, I love the idea of it being set up as a market garden too, because, you know, if somebody wants to do like the community garden and they have their own plot and say it's like the first time they're doing anything and they're putting money in and they spend all their stuff on this seed and everything dies and right. they don't know what they did wrong. Right. Like it's discouraging. Right. <laughs> but, well, and also then it's everyone shares the tools. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to be more cost effective to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And then we can bulk buy seeds. It'll mm-hmm. be way cheaper. Yeah. And it's just, it's also quality control. Yeah. Like it's going to be a lot easier to organize and manage what people are doing. And, um, also part of the thing is it's probably going to end up being me, <laughs> but I'll help like with all the crop planning. Yeah. So I'll do all the crop planning, all the succession planting. Like it's going to take for the beginner gardener who doesn't know how to grow, it will literally take like all the thought out of it kind of, and basically just give you the experience. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea. Cause, cause even the stuff you've showed me and I mean, like I, I'm not a super gardener, but I've lived with Monty, you know, we've been married together for 12 years, but like even the stuff you showed me, I was like, Oh my gosh, my brain is gone. I was like, how did you do this? What are we doing here? So now I'm just going off of whatever Anna sends us. But I mean, it's just, that's, it's, she's done a lot of work and it's, it'll be great for the community to be able to just see that too. Yeah. I just want people to know how to grow their own food and I want to take out all the roadblocks that stop them from doing it. But then if you can't grow or you just don't want to, then you have the CSA option too. Yeah. Because that was another thing that was really important to me is that if people can't grow, they don't want to grow, like I still want them to have access to local food. And I've also always wanted to be a farmer. So it's like a win-win and I don't have to do it alone. (laughs) If you see our Instagram, I take my kids out with me every time. And then Monty brings out Ira and then Aubrey has a kid as well. So it's literally like totally kid-friendly place to be yeah and if if you didn't catch it's called thoughtful roots farm yes so me and aubrey combined our names before we asked monty to join in on the team and everybody's like monty how do you feel about the name and he's like i like it (laughs) (laughs) he's like i remember we went home after that meeting and he goes what was i gonna say thoughtful roots and monty and he was like i got nothing and uh, uh, he was just like, I love the name. Like you guys came up with this super cool logo. He totally vibed on that. And but I, I was really excited after that meeting because it's just been his dream, you yeah. know. And um, it, like you said, it's a lot of work, and he's just never been in a place where he could do it on his own. Right. And then like the few times that it did, it was an option. It just wasn't right with 
the partners, right. you know, like it just was, it was definitely, it was obviously a short term thing, yeah. you know, but you guys are all so great. We're all just at the same point in our lives. We all kind of think the same way too. Right. Yeah. Well, and also I should throw in here that Aubrey, because she does desert roots, the herbal stuff, like oh, there's yeah, going to yeah, be, yeah. we're going to be growing tons of herbs. Yeah. She wants to be a, a dried bulk herb supplier yep. in Southern Utah. Yeah. Cause she's always wanted to grow most of her own stuff that she puts in her products. So now I think with this, she will be able to grow the majority of what's going to be in her products. And then we can sell it to the public. And then we'll also have the cooking herbs. Like it's going to be a little bit of everything. Yeah. I can't wait. I know. It's already so beautiful. Like if you guys want to follow Thoughtful Roots Farm on there, it's gorgeous. Like I just, and they made the best sign for the Mofaco Community Gardens. Like I, I it's a dream come true. And I, yeah, it's not even my dream. <laughs> I mean, and I we, always wanted to farm and <laughs> I've always wanted to, but you know. I've, I've had nothing to do with it and you guys have just made it. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, we do have the sign out there and we're hoping with the right funding, we can get the community garden space ready to roll for like fall. Yeah. That's the goal. It was going to be spring originally, but we're running out of time to get everything we need to done for that space. And we just haven't had the funding yet. So but if we can get a couple hundred dollars, then we can at least cover it in like a cover crop yeah. so that the soil won't dry out and it'll put nutrients back in. Yeah. So go to our link tree and donate. <laughs> we have a GoFundMe and we also still have reusable gift bags in the store that you can purchase. Yeah. And I also, uh, I fixed a bunch of stuff on our website too. So if you go onto the moficomobile.com and you go into, um, Mofico offerings, there is a donation. Um, there is a donation option there too. So yeah. we can put that towards running the store. But also I think you, as you check out, it says special instructions. You can just signify community gardens as well. And then yep. we'll make sure that that goes there. Yep. So there's lots of different options. Yeah. Yep. We've made it easy to yes. give us your money. Yes. <laughs> JK, JK, JK. But you'll want this space to thrive. Yeah, it's such an incredible feeling out there. And it is like, I think that's the other thing too that I'm kind of thankful for COVID because it's just really made it obvious that there are people that are out there doing incredible things for the right reason. Right. You know, like when you go out there and look there, like, and you know that there's no money, nobody's doing this for anything other than trying to put good food in our community and trying to give people access to good food. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, I mean, like, and especially here too, like, uh, the whole vibe of here is just trying to make as many local businesses survive this as possible. Right. And I think it tells when you walk in the store or when you, when you come to the market or anything like that, it's just a completely different feeling than it has been before. Yeah. No, I think this is the, right time to do all this stuff yeah i do too yeah very cool well also one thing for the podcast if you want to if you're a business oh and yeah. you want to be a sponsor we can throw in an advertisement for your business if you yeah. want to contact us that way then yeah we can uh promote you yeah we're doing business sponsorship yep 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 well, do you know our numbers on the podcast? Have you, do you know how many downloads we've gotten or listens? I'd have to look at it again, but we've definitely had like in the thousands now oh, of downloads. Cool. Yeah. I was telling um, Anna this the other day that this is the first time this has ever happened to me is somebody came in the store last week and she pulled my card off of the table and she flipped it over and saw my name and she goes, oh, are you the cat from the podcast? And I was like, yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. I know it's just us kind of dinking around, but yeah, we like it. Yeah, it's been a big year. Yeah. So yeah. 2020, man. Even though it was a rough year, we got a lot of stuff done. We did get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Me too. Should we high five? I feel like we should high five. Oh, yeah. That was a good That was good. I hope that echoes. I know. (laughs) All right, guys. 
Yeah, well, well, thanks for listening and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you can rate us and review us and share and share. Yes, that would be super helpful. That would be very helpful. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, good job. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofaco Utah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we, we hope to see you at the co-op. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.